You're listening to episode 68 of The Marketer's Mindset with Brian Burkhardt. Welcome back to The Marketer's Mindset, the podcast where we talk about how to create and sustain an empowering mindset to help you build a successful online business and lead a happy and abundant life. My guest today defines the term digital nomad. After working as a copywriter with major corporations such as Microsoft, Apple, HP, Barclays Bank, and AT&T, he began to see the potential of this thing we call the internet. And in 1988, he said goodbye to his last full-time job and ventured into the online world to launch his own business. Over 20 years later, he has made millions of dollars online, all while traveling the globe with his family. As the CEO of Go Freelance, he's helping entrepreneurs worldwide to create independent online careers as freelancers and online business owners. So please welcome to the show, probably the world's very first digital nomad and personal finance blogger, Rob Palmer. Hey, Brian, that's good. Great to be on the podcast. Uh, thanks so much to be on the show. Yes, definitely. Like I said, uh, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. You have so much experience in the online world. And I know there's so many people out there that are either fed up with their nine to five job and they want to leave it, or they want to build something on the side. Um, so I think we're going to really dive in and get some really good information because like I said, you've got this experience. You've gone from the very, you know, wild, wild West beginnings of the internet when there really wasn't anybody as an individual making money online. It was more just corporations using it. So I want to hear this story and, and really dive into this with you. Yeah, sure. Okay. In fact, so when I started, really, even the corporations weren't using it. It was uh, really just a few kind of nerdy types who had their kind of bulletin boards. But uh, for most businesses, um, they had no idea what the internet was or what it could do for them. So it was certainly an interesting time to get started. So what were your thoughts then, Rob? I, you decided to leave the corporate world. I, I understand you were doing like freelance and doing copywriting for some big corporations. What was going through your mind? Obviously, you had a vision and saw that there was a, a lot of potential with the internet. Yeah, it's something I, I came across the internet as part of um, a project I was doing for uh, a telecoms company. And uh, as soon as uh, I got involved, I could see that this really had the potential to open up communications on an international scale and really kind of change the way we work and I was really excited to get involved from day one and like you say it really was the wild west that we didn't have any the kind of tools and apps and training or anything else that we have today it was very much um, hands-on get it you had to get into it and do things the hard way with coding and um, really uh, a lot of technical things to get even basic things started but it was really interesting as well and had the potential i could see to um change the way we we live and obviously that that's definitely happened and it's been really fun to be part of that that huge global change yeah i bet i, I mean with all that experience i'm sure you've helped a lot of people throughout the years and that's one thing that i i admire is people that have that vision that can kind of see something and uh 
look at the big picture of what it could actually be and how it can benefit them. So I, I think that's that's huge. Now, did you grow up in an entrepreneurial family or any background or relatives that were entrepreneurs? No, not at all. And my, my family were very much um, kind of get a nine to five job and do that until you're 65 kind of people. So uh, I've never had any kind of encouragement to be entrepreneurial. Uh, but I always felt that I never fitted into that kind of very conventional lifestyle. I always wanted to do my own thing. I wasn't quite sure what it was going to be, but I was always pretty sure it wouldn't be uh, having a steady job and doing that for, for 40 years. <laughs> the, the thought of that I always found very depressing. So I, I naturally kind of gravitated towards entrepreneurial things. And uh, I set myself as a, up as a freelance writer when I was uh, in my kind of early 20s, even though I had zero experience that kind of qualified me to do that and just kind of made things work from there. So uh, I've really enjoyed the journey and it's been really fascinating to to see how the technology has changed uh, and everything around it has changed, but the, the basics of how people think and how they communicate hasn't changed all that much. We're still human beings. We just now have this amazing technology that enables us to do things in a different way. Yeah, I think that's key what you you said right there is there's and I've talked with this with my friends too that are marketers and and business owners is you know once you, there there's core principles that stay the same you're always going to have new platforms or ways to market but the concept of communicating with individuals portraying a message getting someone to take action those are some fundamental principles would you agree? Uh, absolutely. In fact, uh, when I'm uh, doing copywriting and sales copywriting, the, the basic principles uh, I use haven't changed, certainly since I started. Uh, and they're the, the old principles of ethos, logos, and pathos, uh, which is so that's kind of logic, authority, and emotion. And they all come from Aristotle. So that's ideas which are two and a half thousand years old is what the Greeks used to to persuade and convince people in these kind of uh, rhetorical arguments all those thousands of years ago and those principles still work exactly the same way today so if you want to persuade someone to do something the way you do it hasn't changed that much it's just the uh, technology that gets your message out there that does change but the way you persuade people is still exactly the same for for the listeners that are out there that aren't really delved into or aren't familiar with you know the propers of copywriting, what is a formula? What can you share with them as a formula that you use to take someone either through a video that you're using to sell or a written sales letter that you follow to communicate that message and to transition them to a sale? Yeah, it's, well, those really are the three kind of core principles that underlie it. Um, as a, the first thing is, is ethos. You have to establish credibility. No one's going to buy from you unless they trust you. So that's why it's really important to have things like uh, testimonials and um, whatever qualifications, certifications, reviews, those kind of things. They kind of establish that you have some kind of credibility so people can will trust you. Uh, once you have that, then you need to focus on the kind of emotional argument, the pathos, because we, we make decisions based on emotion 
rather logic rather than logic. But once you've made that decision, we then kind of justify it with logical reasons. So then you also need the facts and the figures to back everything up. And if you get those three elements right, then you find it so much hard, uh, so much easier to make the sale. And uh, what you're always trying to do, you're trying to move people along a line. People are always trying to move away from some kind of pain and towards some kind of pleasure. So you're trying to figure out how to move people along that line. And the, the bigger the shift you can make, the further you can move them along that line, then the greater the value that what you have is uh, is worth to them and the more you can charge and uh, the reason it is to make the sale. And th that's basically it. I, I still work to those basic principles and um, they still work just fine. Now, Rob, in your experience, do you find it's a good balance in your copywriting to have, you know, some scarcity and, and fear-based as well as some, um, you know, moving towards, you know, obviously the lifestyle you want to create that image and stuff, but also the fear base, or do you think it's more effective um, with people focusing on the loss part, what they're missing out by not taking action? Yeah, I I tried to to hit hit both ends. You want the the carrot and the stick if you can do it. Uh, certainly, the the kind of fear is a powerful motivator, uh, and things like scarcity and urgency can work really well, but only if they're genuine. Uh, you know, we've all seen kind of offers where you have the fake timer; it's timing down. You have to buy this in five minutes, but you know perfectly well that if you refresh the page in five minute times, the timer is going to restart, and you can do it over again. Those kind of things don't work so well. But if you have some genuine scarcity or urgency built into your, your offer, um, like if it's a live event and you've only got room for 100 people, then that's genuine. Uh, and you can use that to advantage. So as long as you're authentic in what you're doing, those things can work very well. And yeah, certainly you, you use everything you can to move people along the line. As long as you have... Uh, a product or a service that's worth what you're you're charging. So if you have a great product or service that people should want to buy, then you should be quite happy to use whatever strategies you need to, to get them across the line. Yeah, no, I agree. And I love how you touched on the fact that it needs to be authentic because you see so many people online that do that. They have the fake timers or, you know, this is, I only have this many spots and then you come back later and you know, with all the email lists that they're saying of how many hundreds of thousands of people they have that those 17 spots are probably either gone. So I like that you stress the fact, cause I, I believe in that too. It needs to be authentic. If you say this closes on a certain date and the price goes up, you need to honor that. People will respect it. They may get upset when they get there, but they will know that you as a marketer, when you say it is closing or the price is going up as of this date, they know they better get it now because that's how you run your business with authenticity and you're not doing this as a gimmicky sales thing just to get a sale. So yeah, I, I respect that you 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 work your, and run your business that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you, you have to think of the long term. Um, if you're just trying to think of the today's sale, uh, then you can, can use those tactics. But uh, you're, in the long term, you're going to undermine your credibility and you're going to hurt your, your long, -term, long term results. So, yeah, definitely be authentic and uh, so that your audience can trust you and you'll, you'll win in the long term. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you stressed that. And and I can tell you obviously um, play the long game, Rob, because you've been doing this for over 20 years and you've been successful at it. So you are trying to be authentic and, and to give great value because no one stays around that long by just going for the sale constantly and pitching everything under the sun. Now, uh, yeah. I want to go back. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's it. Carry on. <laughs> No, I want to go back now in the beginning. There's a couple things. One of them I heard and I thought this was cool. I listened to an interview that you gave and you talked about the very first trip you took with your family to Ireland as a digital nomad. And, you know, you had to run your business while you were there. But again, as we go back, this is more of the wild, wild west time where there wasn't high speed internet everywhere. You didn't have access in hotels and you had to run your business with these limited resources. Kind of share that story, what you had to do to continue to run your business while you were traveling in Ireland with your family. Okay, sure. So this, I think, may well have been the world's first digital nomad trip, as far as I know. This was the uh, the, the late 1990s, and I just started my first uh, online business. And all of a sudden, I had this freedom where um, I could actually work while I was uh, on vacation, or at least I could um, take a vacation while I was working, which was a, a kind of a, a novel concept. So we wanted to kind of try it out. So as you say, we w- I went with to Ireland with my family and uh, we had a great trip, but I needed to to get online once in a while to check check email and keep, keep on top of the business, make sure everything was, was running okay. But in those days, it was still very much the early days of the internet and less than half of people were actually online. And the there were no internet cafes, there were no co-working spaces, there's no Wi-Fi. So in those days, the only way I could get online is we'd kind of rock up into a new town somewhere and I'd stop at a house or a farmhouse, I'd knock on the door and uh, ask them if they had the internet and offer them, I think it was 10 Irish pounds in those days, if I could use their internet for uh, an hour or so to check my email and do what I needed to do and uh, some people didn't have the internet and some people would say we do but no thanks and other people would invite us in for a cup of tea and away we go so uh, it kind of worked but it was a very clunky way of doing things compared to nowadays when you can just uh, get a sim card in a new country and your, your phone works fine and you can get on the internet and there's co-working spaces everywhere uh, and so on it was a much um, much more difficult way of doing things, but it it compared to being tied to my office in London, it was very liberating. So it was a whole new step forward and very interesting. And I could really see that had potential to change the way we, we live and work. Absolutely. Now, I've got to ask this. I shared your story that you just told here, which I think is awesome. I, I love the fact because people now that are struggling and stuff online don't realize the bigger struggles in the very beginning Mm -hmm. that people had to go through. We we take all these, you know, resources that are available now and the high speed internet that's pretty much everywhere for granted now. So when I shared your story with my wife, she came up with these questions. So I'm going to ask on her behalf here, Rob, did you ever find it where you, someone said, yeah, come on in, I'll take the money. Thank you. And you can go ahead and use my internet and find out that maybe you're in some remote area and you couldn't really use it like you wanted. She wanted to know, did they ever give 
the money back to if you couldn't get a connection <laughs> with it? Uh, okay, well, I, I didn't, don't, we didn't have any total fails, but this is the days when it was the old dial-up connections. So every connection was slow and uh, there was there was no high-speed internet anywhere. So it was just a question of, of it working at all and sometimes it would take a while and we'd be there trying to get the the modem connecting to be sitting there with the old whistles of the of the modem clicking and trying to connect uh but it usually worked out okay and the irish people were very friendly and um all my kids would go would go in and play with their kids and sometimes we end up staying for a few hours and stay stay for dinner and we all got on really well uh so it was never easy. Uh, it was always a, a painful slope process. Like, but even once you got online, just trying to upload a new page could take you five, ten minutes just to upload a, a simple file. Uh, but that's the way it was. So, uh, as long as I got the job done and kept on top of things, it was okay. That's great. I love that that entrepreneurial spirit of we'll figure it out and we'll make things happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Now, a lot so, of people, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, so uh, from there, that's from that trip that then led to us thinking we could, um, if we could do it in Ireland, we could do it anywhere. And that ended us up, we decided to um, to go international and we left the UK and emigrated to Australia. And we had similar experiences there in a different way in that um, for a while we were traveling around Australia trying to figure out exactly where, where we wanted to live long term and every time we we moved i had to get a new fo- an extra phone line installed in our new house or new apartment so that i could get, get online uh you you couldn't just kind of plug in and go uh i really had to have a second phone line installed so it just just moving to a new town was uh a major obstacle it would have to be kind of planned weeks in advance and was quite expensive but it worked so it, that was fine yeah that's great how many different countries have you worked in through your travels over the years uh, it's over 50 now They'll probably get, get on towards 60 and i just love the fact that you have the freedom to to go anywhere you want and uh, uh have new experiences see new parts of the world and still be able to get online and, and run your business so, I love the way you can kind of blend your personal and your travel and your business life together and it works just fine. Yeah. And I I think that's a great concept because a lot of people tend to separate that. I have my work life, I have my family life, and then we do personal things and travel, but you've been able to combine that and, and make it a whole lifestyle, everything combined, which I think is fantastic. And I know a lot of people are interested in that, especially nowadays at the beginning and and everybody has this, I I see a lot of people have this fear that holds them back. One is the security of leaving a a full-time job and going, you know, online full-time creating your own business. How did you handle the fears of leaving that security things that came up? How did you deal with those, whether it was books you read or things you learned from, someone growing up, maybe your parents, how did you handle those fears that, that came up during this new venture and process of transitioning? Yeah, for me, it was never really a question because I always had this kind of entrepreneurial spirit. So for me, the fear was more of being stuck in the same job for 40 years. Uh, that, that was what I was afraid of. So the thought of 
going out and starting my own business, I didn't find at all worrying. Uh, of course, it wasn't always easy, especially back when I was a, a freelance writer. Uh, income was uncertain. You might, might have a great month, one month, and then the next month, uh, the work dries up and you're scratching around trying to find clients and business. But and that was okay when uh, I was younger and it was just me or myself and my wife. But once we had children and we had a mortgage and, you know, a family support, that it was more challenging, definitely. But I still wouldn't, would never have gone back to a full-time job. I liked the challenge of getting out there, making things happen, <clears throat> finding clients, doing business. Uh, and then when the internet came along and that opened up a whole new way of, of marketing and running a business, I was just fascinated by the whole thing. And um, even so today, you still get times when it's not easy and you get problems with Facebook or Google or whatever driving you crazy. But I still wouldn't want to go back to doing a, a regular nine to five job. Yeah, every whether you're an entrepreneur doing your own business or you're working for someone, there's always going to be challenges and things that that come up. But like you said, the the fear of working a nine to five and being stuck in that was greater than any fear you had of the unknown of building a business online in this new type of internet world that was becoming of age. Now, did you have many mentors along the way that helped you build this or were you, are you the type that kind of figure stuff out as you go and kind of do your own research? Uh, yeah, I've mostly figured things out on my own. Um, there are some great marketers out there that I've, I've learned from over the years. Um, certainly in terms of copywriting, uh, some of the old school copywriters um, that the kind of principles they taught are still really valid today. And one of my favorites in, in that respect, I think a really interesting story to check out is one of the earliest copywriters of all is uh, a guy named Claude Hopkins. And uh, if you go to Amazon and search for, I think it's Claude B. Hopkins, he's got two, two short books, which you can buy in one volume. And he talks about marketing like a hundred years ago. Uh, so, even uh, by kind of <laughs> any standard, it's very basic technology that he, he had to work with. He even had a steam-powered car, so he was doing stuff a long time ago. Uh, but the principles of sales and marketing were still the same then, even though he didn't have the names for them, the things that we understand like social proof and split testing, which we understand as being basic marketing principles. He had to work those out for himself. Uh, I find that's a really interesting story that when you go back that far in time, everything is, is, is the same. The principles are the same and it's only the technology that's changed. And we're just so fortunate now to live in this world where we have these amazing tools where you can reach almost anybody on the planet and most people have a smartphone and wherever they are you can be marking to them and making them offers and hopefully changing their lives so it's a fantastic world in all kinds of ways yeah i, I agree and what is your perspective rob on this i mean you've seen like i said this 20 plus year growth on here and you can debate different things. You can say, hey, at the beginning, it was hard. We didn't have all the tools, the resources, the fast internet. And then you can go through the other thing today and say, hey, yeah, we have all these great resources now. It's easier to get online. There's cheaper resources. There's ways to do it. But now it's so saturated. So there's a lot of competition. Do you think it's easier now considering all the factors now than what it was compared to what 
when you started? What's your opinion on that? I'd say the the best time ever to start an online business or any kind of business is absolutely right now. Uh, yes, for sure, it is competitive, but the all the tools and the training and the technology we have access to now and the, all the data is available, it's kind of revolutionary. Um, so poor old Claude Hopkins from 100 years ago, he would love to have had Facebook ads and the amazing targeting where we can do, where you can laser target exactly the right people and present them an offer, uh, things like that. Um, this is a whole new world and it just opens up amazing opportunities. And yes, it's competitive, but you should never think of competition as a bad thing if there are competitors in your market that just shows there's money to be made or they wouldn't be there and all you have to do is you have to be better than the next guy so there are always opportunities and there will i think there'll be more millionaires and billionaires created now in the next uh, few decades than any time in in history so yeah, if you want to start a, start a business, you definitely should not think, "Oh, it's too late. I've missed the boat. It's um, you know, it's too saturated." Quite the opposite is true. Now is the time to get in. It's uh, it's just going to get better and better. So yeah, definitely jump in with both feet and and get started right away. Yeah, I, I'm on the same camp as you on that, Rob. I agree that it's it's a perfect time for it. And like you said, competition should not scare anyone off, especially if you're building an authentic business and you're providing value, you're going to be in it for the long term. There's going to be tons of people that are always going to come and go and looking for the quick hits or the overnight success and the easy push buttons. You're always going to have that, especially as things get easier, more affordable, and more options. But having a true online vision of looking for a long-term business that's sustainable, that can provide you that lifestyle, you're going to surpass everybody. So I, I totally agree on that. Now, if somebody's starting out, Rob, and they're like, yeah, I love this. I want to do this. I want to go full time. What What do you recommend for people nowadays? I know there's a lot of different options, but what is your opinion of what you would recommend for someone to start to create a digital online business? Mm, that's a very difficult uh, question to answer. Uh, like you say, there are so many options and they're all valid. Uh, when you look at uh, e-commerce, uh, Amazon just going from strength to strength and Amazon FBA is a fantastic opportunity. Uh, or you can do your own uh, kind of drop shipping style e-commerce with Shopify, whatever. All that, those are fantastic and growth is huge there. But also things like uh, creating online courses or doing online coaching. Um, all those things are also working really well if you figure out how to do it. So I think uh, there isn't, I wouldn't say there's one thing, well, wow, you should go into this kind of business. Uh, and I think what you have to do is is find what's right for you, what's a good fit with your kind of personality, your skills and your experience, what you feel comfortable with and make that work for you. The, the most important thing I would say is to focus on one thing. It's really tempting to be distracted by the next shiny object and keep hopping from uh, one project to the next. You start one project, and that doesn't maybe doesn't quite make the money you you thought it was going to. So rather than focus, stay focused on that and make it work, you hop to something else and start again, uh, and then again you hop to something else, and you end up with ten half finished projects which aren't making any money, and you're much better off finding that one thing and then uh, zeroing in and working hard on that and making it work. 
and you can do really well. Uh, and that could be in any one of thousands of different niches or kinds of business. Yeah, and I like how you said the one thing. I think that's highly important that someone focuses because there are so many shiny objects and new things that are popping up that's like, oh, that sounds good. Oh, that sounds good. Like you said, you just you have a dozen things that are partially done and not one that's producing any income for you. So I, I like that path of focusing on one thing, getting that going, and then if you want to expand from there, you can do that. So let me ask you this on the question, and and again, there's so many different options and stuff, but if somebody's relatively new and not really, is it is it easier, or maybe there's no difference, I just want your opinion on this, to maybe stay with like an online, creating something digital or going through Amazon, or is there any difference or maybe easier to offer a service to an offline business to help them with their digital marketing? Do you see any difference in that or an easier entry for somebody that's new? Yeah, I would say maybe as a, a first step, if you need to make some, some money quickly uh, or want to get started making money online, then offering some kind of service is a quick way to go. Uh, so if you're maybe um, a writer or you, you have some kind of marketing skills or some some kind of skill which you can offer on a consultancy basis, then that's a really good way to start it. Um, that's You can use that to pick up maybe three or four clients fairly quickly and that those clients could produce enough income for you to replace your, your day job income and then you can quit your day job and now you're free to travel with your laptop, whatever you want to do. Uh, and then from there, you might want to figure out um, if you're happy to continue doing it, that's fine. A lot of people build up kind of marketing consultancies, whatever, that's a great way to go. Uh, but you might want to think about turning those skills into some kind of package, which you offer as a like a, a coaching program, so that rather than having to uh, scale up with loads of clients, which all need servicing individually, you have one program that you create and people buy that one program and you and and then you you have the the leverage and the scalability which is much harder to get if you're doing a kind of service-based business so both both approaches work and yeah certainly if i had to start from zero right now and find some money quickly i would probably uh, do some kind of service business which for me would be um, copywriting uh, and then use that as a way to generate some income and then start a different kind of coaching or training business from from there or or maybe move into e-commerce or whatever. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Rob. I think that's a great path because that allows someone to generate an income to replace their job. And then from there, like you said, transition into creating your own assets that you have that you can sell online while you're sleeping and not necessarily have to manage physical clients, you know, more you can respond to people through email or have a support ticket or, or things of that nature. So I think that's a good transition and a way for someone to start out and actually grow it in, in transition to an online business. Now, do you have a lot of employees or do you do, um, I, I shouldn't say a lot of employees, but do you have any employees or do you mainly use outsourcers or do you do most of it yourself? Uh, yeah, I have uh, outsourcers. Um, some of them have been working with me for, for over 10 years. Uh, so they're around the world, some in the Philippines, some here in, in Thailand, where I am now, and others in Australia, UK. So 
some of those are full-time employees who work for me remotely, but, uh, but as full-time employees and others are freelancers I work with as and when needed. And it's great now that you have this flexibility that um, you, you can get all the skills you need. I love the fact that you can find exactly the right person for the job rather than being constrained by finding an employee or a freelancer who's within like an hour's drive of your office. Now, it's possible to work with someone on the other side of the planet as long as they have the skills you need. You can work together. So uh, I like working with a virtual team. Uh, it does have its kind of challenges. You have to learn how to, how to manage people remotely and get things done, how to create that kind of team spirit. But uh, it does work if you get good at it, and it's a, a fun way to run a business. So, um, yeah, I, I love having my virtual team and and uh, we have a good community. We, we meet up once in a while in different places around the world. And uh, it's it's a fun way to, to operate. That's great. It, it truly is a, a global world now. It's amazing how, like, for example, we talked before this, you're in into China right now. And, uh, you know, you're already, it's Friday morning for you already. So yeah. we're still having I'm in this the conversation future. across the globe. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. I love the fact that we, we can have clients on the other kind of planet and uh, business partners and affiliates and we can work together uh, and technology is getting better and better. I love um, the different services we have to to stay in touch. And um, it's certainly it, it's changed everything and made it so it really has shrunk the world to a smaller place and made it easy to to build the perfect team and uh, and get things done. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you have any resources or, or things you can recommend to individuals that want to start looking for outsourcing? Is there certain platforms you use or anything of that nature? Uh, so I use uh, for, to find out, uh, res- outsources. I often use uh, onlinejobs.ph. I find great. Uh, I love um, people in the Philippines. I find they're really great, great to work with and uh, very talented people and they speak great English. Uh, I also use things like uh, Upwork uh, to find people. And there are so many services now. There are literally hundreds of platforms where you can find writers, designers, and so on. So there are plenty of people out there and you can find some really skilled operators. Uh, So I think it's good to, uh, you have to stay on top of project management. I I use uh, Trello for project management. We've also used um, Basecamp tools like that so there are lots of tools out there you can use and they really help you keep your your team united and working together and uh, tools just keep on getting better so it, there are always there are new plugins and extensions and apps coming out all the time that just make it easier and easier to communicate globally um certainly i love zoom for for meetings online video i find zoom is great so there are all kinds of things you can use. Yeah, there's there's tons of resources out there. Now, with this, like you said, you've got employees, you're traveling, you're trying to run your business. What do you do to organize your time, Rob? Because it's it's you. You don't have a boss that's saying you need to show up at this time and do this and complete these projects. How do you organize your time to complete and live this lifestyle? Yeah, well, for me, I've been doing it for a long time. So ever since I launched my 
first freelance writing career in my early 20s, that was the challenge. It is a skill you have to learn. You have to manage your own productivity. And for me personally, I work well kind of early in the morning. So I like to start early and be at my desk by about 7 a.m. working and try and get certainly any kind of writing work I like to do early in the day before uh, things get get crazy. Uh, and then once that's done, I can catch up with all the emails and other communications later in the day and do whatever else needs, needs to be done. So I find that if, if I make an early start and, and get the, the real work done early, then everything works well. It's, um, it's, if, if I make a late start for some reason, uh, then one thing slides to another, and I often get to the end of the day and frustrated that I haven't finished all the things I, I want to do. So I've, I try to be focused, uh, but you do have to learn to keep away from distractions like YouTube. It's so easy that uh, maybe you need um, a piece of fact for a, if you're writing on, like a blog post and you need some information, you go to Google to check it out. Uh, Google leads you to YouTube and you watch a, a YouTube video and that leads you to another YouTube video and before long you spent an hour watching funny cat videos. So that, that's a, a real temptation to do that. And But you have to, to fight that and learn to be disciplined and, and focus on eating that frog as Brian Tracy says, get get the hard work done first and then do the easier things later in the day. Yeah, that's another good book. I'm glad you brought that up. We'll have that in the show notes, but uh, everybody should read that book. That's, that is an effective way to manage time. He's, he's Brian Tracy. I love his stuff. He's from sales to time management to everything. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, going back to let's let's talk a little bit more about like some marketing on here what have you found and and again these are generalities i just want to know your experience cuz there's so many different options but what has been effective for you for generating leads and sales what platforms do you like to use based on maybe their ease their targeting options the quality of leads and sales that you're making from them Okay, so when I started uh, my first online business, it, uh, search engine optimization, SEO, was kind of the main way of generating visitors to your website. And it's still very interesting, but uh, I'm also kind of wary about having all my eggs in the Google basket as it is nowadays. So yes. I kind of moved away from that and uh, started doing affiliate marketing uh, which was just getting started in those days and did very well with, uh, as a merchant, sort of running my own affiliate program. That worked really well. But I think really you want to have uh, an offer where you can afford to advertise. Um, it's a real problem if you have, an, if you're trying to sell, let's say, a course for less than $100, $99 or something. And you'll find that if you try to run ads on Facebook or whatever, that it might cost you $110 to get a $100 sale. That's that's a real problem because then, uh, okay, you think I, I can't afford to advertise. I need to get free traffic. So then you tr- you find you're, you're doing free posting all over social media, trying to get some clicks. You're trying to um, game Google and try and get some rankings. And that's a real hard way to, to build a business. You need to have, I would say, a higher value offer, which gives you a budget so you can afford to run ad time. Ad- Run, run ads on various different platforms and 
generate business that way. And if you can do that, then you have a scalable business that you can really grow. So you don't want to be trapped in a low low ticket offer, uh, which leads to difficulty in advertising. If you've got something that you could afford to spend money on advertising and the numbers add up, that's when you have a, a real business. <clears throat> Yeah, what about the people that say it's uh, it's it's hard to sell a high ticket item compared to a low ticket item? Well, I don't think it is. Uh really you long as you have the right offer, it's all about offering value. And you can sell a high ticket offer as long as you're offering real value. And basically the the greater the transformation you have in someone's life, the the more you can charge. So, uh if you're selling some kind of uh coaching program then if you can let's say help someone quit their boring forty thousand dollar a year job and launch an online business that makes quarter million dollars a year that's got to be worth ten thousand dollars you know no one's going to have a problem with paying that if they believe you can deliver uh so and the same with other kind of offers it might be whether it's relationships or health or whatever if you're delivering that kind of transformation in people's lives then you can definitely have a high ticket offer and deliver great outcomes and you have happy customers and it makes the numbers add up so much better if you've got high ticket sales so that's definitely a really good way to go yeah i agree with that too i think if you have the right offer like you said and you're targeting the right audience then you're not going to come into the struggles. But if you have a great offer, but you're targeting the wrong audience for it, you're going to struggle as well that way. You know, so either one of those, your audience or your offer has got to be both on, on target to, uh, to do that, no matter what you're selling, but especially if you're doing a higher ticket item. Uh, yeah. Now what about, um, so yeah, uh, but really you only need a very small audience. You you can absolutely laser focus on a very small group of people who have the particular problem you want to solve. Uh, but if you if you have a high ticket offer, you don't need many customers to to create a really good business. So the math just works so much better. Now, is Facebook one of your uh, best platforms for targeting and reaching for your advertising? Yeah, I think Facebook has created the world's best advertising machine. It's it's a, a, an amazing sales machine. Uh, so because the targeting is so good and uh, the, the option and just the reach, the fact you can reach almost anybody anywhere and advertise to them is quite extraordinary. So yeah, it's always one of the, the go-to platforms. Um, so certainly uh, Facebook and also Instagram as well. The fact that you can reach that massive combined audience through Facebook is quite amazing. And the the, te- the technology behind the platform is getting better and better all the time. All the options are improving. And the fact that you can do retargeting and lookalike audiences and all these things, they just really explode the potential. And uh, it's fascinating business to be involved with. Yeah. Do you think that would be a good place to start for someone who's you know, wants to do the advertising route for their marketing would be to start with Facebook as opposed to maybe Instagram or YouTube or anything? Uh, yeah, I would. For me, I think it's the, the best platform with the best options and the biggest reach. So it, it's not easy. You have to, 
acquire the skills you, you can't just uh, you know put up any ads and expect to get results so you you need to be to have a little budget to experiment with and figure out what works but once you kind of get the system of your once you understand that you need to laser target your audience and you need to have an offer that's on point and you need good copywriting strong images and and good creatives whether it's video or whatever once you acquire those skills then you have the opportunity to, to reach a, a massive audience now with all your your testing and experience rob what have you found has been for you the most effective when creating marketing funnels kind of what is your your outline I think the most important thing with sales funnels is to be congruent all the way through. Um, when I do some consultancy for, for pe people who need help with our campaigns, one of the biggest mistakes I find they make is that their ad doesn't match their landing page, which doesn't match uh, their, their follow-up emails. So the, the, the kind of the offer is not consistent all the way through. So, um, you need to be consistent. Uh, you need to figure out what is the pain point that you know, what's the problem that you're trying to solve? What what, are you, what keeps your customers awake at night? That's the biggest question. And if you can answer that and then follow all that all through all the way through your sales funnel, you'll find they're very much more effective. Do you find a, a simple sales funnel be effective instead of all these fancy elaborate ones? Yeah, I don't. So I don't go for crazy complicated ones. You can, uh, it does. It's easy to create something that's overcomplicated. And again, that's another advantage of doing high ticket offers is that you don't need to stack up all these complicated numbers of upsells and cross sells and down sells to make the mass work. Uh, you can have a much simpler offer. So that's definitely an attraction of higher ticket um, pricing. Uh, but you know, the main thing is to have a really good value offer that solves a problem and offers real value value to the customer and then it should work how important nowadays rob is it to still have you know a, a ton of bonuses and things for your offer is it as necessary or if you have a tight great offer you don't need as many to load in there yeah, I've never been a fan of stacking up all these kind of unrelated bonuses just to seemingly add some kind of value. Uh, I find bonuses can work really well if they are directly related to the offer and uh, they they add something extra to it. Um, but I don't think there's any need to go crazy of just offering a long list of bonuses just to try to make what you have seem more valuable the the main thing is to make have a great product and just use bonuses to add additional value that's to, that's absolutely focused on your main offer yeah i agree with you on that that's one of the things that frustrates me is when you see a ton of bonuses but they're just a lot of them are unrelated to what the product is so it's like I don't need all that garbage. No. You know, I, I want something yeah. that's going to be a bonus. It's going to add value, make it easier, something to what I'm actually purchasing instead of just, oh, I got you 50 different bonuses that are unrelated to what you're trying to do with this just to give you a ton of value, supposedly. And to me, I think value is going to be something that's going to be relevant. So I think it comes back to what you talked about, Rob, that consistency, consistency in your advertising, consistency in your funnel, consistency in your message, consistency in your emails, 
all throughout is going to be so powerful and and make it more streamlined and less complicated to build that sales funnel. Yes, uh, and I think uh, a mistake marketers often make is thinking that volume is important, that, that they need to have not just one thing to sell, but like say the, these 10 different bonuses, just uh, uh, look, you get all this stuff as if that's going to make it more valuable. And, but in fact, the opposite is true. Because we all live in a world of kind of information overload. So if you're doing, let's say, some kind of training course, then people don't want 200 hours of video to watch. They haven't got time. They would rather have two hours of video that solves their problem uh, and they're done. Uh, and that's what they want. And uh, you can still charge a, a good price for that if it solves their problem. It's not about having sheer volume of, of content. Yeah, that's an important point. I'm glad you brought that up. Now, throughout the years, and I don't even know if you do it now, do you coach many people or is that part of your business? plan or, or is that something you did in the past yeah it's actually become part of my business unintentionally but so i've because i travel uh, around the world quite a lot and i go to kind of digital nomad conferences and other online market events uh, and then i get to talk to people and tell them my story and then they can ask me well how do you do that i'd like to do that as well did you do you do some kind of coaching on or mentoring on how to do this. So for a long time, uh, I, I just said, no, I don't do that. And then eventually I realized, oh, well, actually, maybe <laughs> I should be. There's obviously a, a need for it. Uh, so for the last couple of years, I've been helping people uh, get started with their online business, uh, with kind of doing some coaching and, and uh, mentoring. And I found that really rewarding that I love the fact that I can help people completely change their lives, uh, quit their boring job, uh, escape some cold city and move to to a somewhere on the beach on the other side of the planet that kind of thing it's it's very rewarding and um i'm always amazed at the sheer variety of businesses that people create there are so many opportunities but people find businesses in little niches that i thought never could be a business but it turns out they turn it into a, a good good money maker so it certainly shouldn't be constrained by what you read online as or you know you can do a b c d or e there are loads of other options which haven't been invented yet which you can do so um certainly coaching people i find really rewarding and it's great helping people find that their own personal niche and do whatever their passion is and make a, a living at it. Yeah. Now, what do you think are the biggest differences between the people um, that struggle to make money online and the ones that are able to build a successful and sustainable online business? Yeah. So a lot of people would love to run an online business, but they just can't make the leap. They just can't quite quit their job and uh, take the risk of starting it. So a lot of it has to do with kind of personality. You do need to have that kind of entrepreneurial spirit or at least be ready to to find it, to, to have the courage to be ready to take the leap and give it a go. Uh, but I would say the main thing is focus, to find the, your, your your niche, find what, what you want to do, and then get really good at doing that one thing. It's better to be really good at doing one thing than quite good at doing 10 different things. And that'll really make the difference. You just need to be a little bit better than your competitors, and you can absolutely crush it in, in your market. 
Yeah, and that that's one of the th- things I, I I ask a lot of people, and I want to get your opinion on it too. You know, there's different camps on this, Rob. Um, some people are like, you know, focus on your strengths, what you're good at, double down on that, stay in your lane, outsource or get other people to <clears throat> help you with the things that you struggle or aren't as good with. And there's other people that say, man, I want to be more well-rounded. I'm I'm good at these things, and I'm going to work on improving these other areas. What are your thoughts around those two different camps? Should one stay more focused on what they're good at and outsource and get other people to do the other things? Or should one say, no, you know, work on the things that you're not as good at? Uh, yeah, I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. Um, that, yeah, you should definitely leverage your strength. If, if You should figure out what you're good at and make the most of that. And where you're weak is a good idea to find people who have those kind of strengths. But at the same time, you do always want to be improving your skills. I'm a a great believer believer in personal development. So there's nothing to stop you from continuously improving. And I think you should definitely be working on that uh, every day. But, yeah, I would definitely start off by leveraging your natural strengths and bringing other people to, to fill in the gaps but then trying to, to build on those existing strengths and, and, and get better at more things over time. So your skills should improve. But you always work better as if you have um, a team rather than trying to do everything yourself. You can't be good at everything. Yeah, and that's the hard part, I think, is people starting out, if they don't have a lot of money to to build their business, they're wearing all the different hats and I think it's making that leap to say, you know what, if I took some of this money and I paid someone to do this or that or hired an outsourcer or something like that, it would free up your time to do other things that would help generate the income. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, it does. Yeah. And especially if you, you find yourself doing kind of basic admin kind of work let um, let's say social media marketing that you could pay someone $5 an hour to do if you're spending 10 hours of your time every week doing that then you're working for five bucks an hour so is that really what you want to do <laughs> you, you want to think even if you're on a tight budget it's worth outsourcing that kind of work to to, to a, a freelancer and outsourcer so you can focus on the more strategic and important tasks in growing the business Absolutely. Now, over your 20 plus years, I'm sure there's been struggles or uh, things that you may consider a failure. I like to call them undesirable outcomes instead of failures, but we all have them. (laughs) But I think, Rob, that we can learn so much from those and sometimes even more than our successes because success, you may not know why it came about, but from failures, you can look back, reflect on it and grow. What would you say would be one of your biggest failures or undesirable outcomes throughout this 20 plus year journey? And what did you learn from it? Ah, that's tricky. Um, uh, Let me see. So, yeah, I've certainly had had some various projects that haven't worked out the the way I wanted to, like say (laughs) an undesirable outcome. Uh, I don't, there's no, real one which stands out as being a major thing i think every time if something doesn't work out you want to sit down and work out what went wrong why didn't that project work out and i would say very often it's because uh, i've realized that it's a mistake to try and sell something instead of trying to solve a problem Uh, if if you're focused on 
helping people and you see that people have a problem and then you help them solve that problem, then you're probably going to succeed. But if you just think, I want to make some money, what can I sell? And then come up with an idea and try and go out and sell it. That's a really hard way to, to run a business. And, and that way you're heading towards those undesirable outcomes. So I think you want to start with your customers first and really understand their problems and how you can solve them. And then you, you're much more likely to get a desirable outcome. Yes, absolutely. Now, are you a big book reader, Rob? Yeah, I love to read books. Um, yeah, especially now that we have uh, kind of e-books, Kindle books, and so on. I've read more books than ever before. It's so so easy to uh, just down, download another one and, and keep going. So yeah, books are great. This we should all be um, trying to improve constantly. And I, I read pretty much every day. Yeah, me too. I'm a big book fan. What are uh, a couple? big books that have had like the biggest impact on you that either you recommend or give to other people? Uh, yeah. So what I like is um, the miracle morning, I think it's a, a good book. Um, again, I, I like to start early in the day and get things done. Uh, and that book has kind of helped me focus on really making the most of that early part of the day. Um, I can't remember the name of the author at, at the moment, but uh, that's a really good book. Isn't that Hal Elrod? Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Yeah. And also, um, the the one thing, uh, it's all about, about focusing on getting <laughs> the important things done, getting your priorities right. Uh, I still love How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think that's a book that everyone should read. Uh, again, it's, it's a, an old book, but the principles are still equally valid today and um, as you said earlier uh, eat that frog Brian Tracy that's a great way of getting the hard things done it helps you get the hard things done so that you you're actually more productive so those are good places to start I think yeah I'm familiar with all those books and those are great recommendations so I'll definitely have those in the show notes so people who aren't familiar with them or want to get them can uh, can check those out couple few questions here for you, Rob, to, to close out here. What is a final message that you would want the mindset listeners to truly get about the entrepreneur lifestyle, building an online business, and living the digital nomad lifestyle? Okay. Well, I would refer back to uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, the CEO of Amazon, obviously now the, the richest person in the world. And he says it's still day one of the internet we're just getting started so uh, if you think it's too late you've missed the boat and you, know, you wish you got in 10 years ago or something that's not true it, it's happening right now this is still day one i think where we are now with the internet is where the auto industry was in the days of the model t ford when things you know at the time the model t ford seemed to be uh, the greatest car ever and can't, things can't get any better than this. But we've seen, obviously, a huge amount of change since then. Um, and that was just the the very early days. And the same with the internet. A lot's happened in the last 25 years, but it's still just, that's just phase one. And we've got amazing things ahead of us. There's going to be amazing technology coming down the line. Uh, when you think like um, smartphones, we didn't have them 15 years ago. Now we can't live without them. And as marketers, it means we can now reach about what four or five billion different people across the planet just 
to have this device in their hand every day and we can reach them. That, that's an amazing thing. Uh, and there will be something else like that coming up five years, 10 years time. Um, so it's a fascinating business to be in. The opportunities are great right now. They're going to get even better. And I just can't wait to see what comes next. Great. Now, if anybody wants to connect with you and what's the best way if they want to get maybe coaching from you or learn more about you? Uh, best go to gofreelance.com and you can find a contact form there and contact me. I'll be happy to chat to anyone and give some advice, some ideas, and um, we can take things from there. Perfect. Rob, thanks so much for the conversation, for sharing and going into depth about living the nomad lifestyle, what it takes to be an entrepreneur and to shine also a light on the, the possibilities that still exist, that it's not too late, that now is a great time to start. So anybody that's thinking about that hasn't started or has started, but hasn't taken it to the next level, listen to what Rob has shared during this interview here. Um, take notes, apply it and jump into it because like he shared with Jeff Bezos, it it is still in its infancy. It yeah, we because we've had it for so long and we're doing it, it it just seems a norm. But like Rob said, there's so many things that are coming down the line that we don't even know that are coming out. New platforms, new resources, new tools to make everything easier, simpler, especially if you want to live that nomad lifestyle and to travel, enjoy time with your family, see the world, but also have a business that's going to create that lifestyle and allow you to do that. So I appreciate you sharing the great information here and taking the time. I know it's early in the morning, so you definitely are someone that wants to start early and get his day going. So <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time. And until next time, guys, thanks for tuning into another episode. I appreciate you guys, and I wish you a brilliant life. Okay, thanks, Brian. Good fun. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really and truly appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about developing a strong, successful mindset, then go ahead and subscribe by clicking the I'm In button below this podcast. Each week, I try to deliver great content that you can learn and apply immediately to help develop a better mindset so you can build a great online business and hopefully a better life. So if you like what we're trying to do here at The Marketer's Mindset, then help us spread the message and give us a rating and review on iTunes so we can help more online marketers. Lastly, I want to hear from you. So if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss or an online marketer that you would like us to interview, then send me an email to brian at themarketersmindset.com. Thanks again. I love you guys. And until next week, take care and I wish you a brilliant life.